Hi everyone, I am your host, Mary Rose Shanahan, and you are very welcome to Come Here To Me podcast, where every week I will be joined by inspiring guests who will share insights, experiences, and ideas that will help you become 1% better every day. Hi everyone, welcome to season two, episode number three of the Come Here To Me podcast. Today I'm joined by Jonathan Harkin. Aside from being a full-time teacher, Jonathan is also a mindset coach, NLP practitioner, and a mental health advocate. In this episode, we discuss how Jonathan got into mindset work, what is NLP, some life lessons he has learned, how his own business operates, and much more. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoy this episode and can take some little tip or trick away from it. Um, hi everyone, welcome back to the Come Here To Me podcast. I'm very happy today to have Jonathan on the podcast. Um, so I suppose, Jonathan, do you want to start with just giving us a little introduction to yourself? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I absolutely love the name. It's so Irish. <laughs> um, am I right in saying, am I, the first, am I the first male to be on this? Yeah, you're, you're my first male guest. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was checking that out, so privileged. <laughs> I needed, I needed to, to open my horizons and interview different types of people. <laughs> get, get a different perspective. Yeah, get a male perspective on it for once. Um, I don't know. Um, I suppose I'm from Gidor, County Donegal, and a lovely place. Like, I love it. It's, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable scenery, unbelievable people. And I've been living here in the UAE for the last five years, teaching um, qualified as a teacher, um, but transitioning into coaching, and uh, it's just something that really interests me. But uh, the teaching kind of goes hand in hand with that because I guess you're you're used to teaching where you're kind of teaching people in a different sort of way and helping people, I suppose. Um, so that's just a very brief background on me. Yeah, that's interesting to see the transition. So I suppose like with teaching, you're so used to helping people anyway, and I suppose helping them along and, you know, I suppose making an impact on their life. So in regards to mindset, is this something you've always been into or was there any particular stage in your life that you, I suppose, got interested in it and you decided, OK, I want to make a change? Um, every time I'm asked that question, it's actually it's like it's always dropped on me. Um, because I don't know, I feel like I've been dropped into this kind of stuff. Uh, I've always had a uh, real interest in, you know, sports people's mindsets. Uh, like how, you know, there was a, there was this player for Dublin, Kevin Moore, and he played for Dublin. I think he won an All-Ireland, then won an FA Cup with uh, Man United. And he just used to put his head in the lane. And I used to like what think, what is going on inside his head? Then you go on to like Roy Keane and... Um, then you have the Gaelic footballers from my own parish, the the McGee's, people like this. I was so interested in how, what makes these boys tick. Mm. And as I grew older, I was just wondering what what really makes people tick. You know, I was watching, say, for example, my mum, she'd get up at half five, six o'clock every morning, rain, hail or snow, and have to do her walk or her jog every day. And I was like, what? Just like it's raining, stay in bed. And then my dad, who's a work workhorse, I remember I remember working in a factory with my dad when I was maybe 22, 23. And like I was a bit off the rails at the time. So th we were doing 12 hour shifts 
And he was finishing, say, his shift at three, where I should have been coming in at three. But I was away. I was still on the beer from Sunday. But dad stayed at three o'clock and did my 12-hour shift for me. Yeah. And just like, you know, a couple of years later, I was like, How, do you know, what makes people tick? What makes people go that extra mile? So now I'm kind of looking at people like uh, David Goggins, you know, just what makes people push? But then on the flip side of that, what what's holding people back? What excuses are people giving themselves? And what's holding people back from um, reaching their potential, I suppose, because... As I get older, I hate seeing wasted potential. And maybe that's a reflection on looking back on maybe mistakes and stuff that I've done a lot through through my 18 to now. And maybe trying to trying to give people that advice to try and avoid those potholes that I, I went through. Mm. Um a, a, a turning point where I, I talk about in my book Solo Run. Um, was uh, when I got to, because I was going through stages in my life I, and I noticed on reflection that there was always a cycle. I would get in a good space, I'd get really fit and then I would just go off the rails, party hard, put on loads of weight, be in a dark place, come back around and there was always anxiety and a bit of depression alongside that. And this like came in three cycles, college years, mid-twenties, when I came out to the UAE. And then it just took, took me to a point where one night I found myself in Abu Dhabi, um, sitting at the side of a motorway. And I didn't know what was what was going to happen next. And, um, you know, I kind of I turned on my heels that night. I made a turn and that was kind of the turning point where where I was going to really dive into self-development de and figure out what was going on inside my head, but then help others figure out what was going on inside their heads. Yeah, that's really well said. As in, like, I completely agree with everything you said there, because I think, um, I think like, when people want to better themselves, it's like someone who suffers from depression or a mental health illness, is that, unfortunately, you can say, you can give a person all the advice in the world you can do all the work you can you know make all these changes but until you have that realization and until you put your hand up and want to make a change and want to be a better person um unfortunately like nothing's going to happen um because like i suppose my turning point um I suppose that was a really good introduction to your story and how you got into mindset um for me personally um i suppose like maybe starting off like 12 13 my self-esteem and self-worth um, would have been quite low. I would have had a very bad um, headspace. I would have been very negative, um, always like negative thoughts, always beating myself up, never good enough. And then, like you said, you know, you see wasted talent. So I suppose my turning point was when I was, um, so obviously I've always been into sport all my life, football, athletics, um, horses and everything. And then when I was 17, um, I was like the fittest I'd ever been. I was doing athletics and I was midfield for football. And everything was going great. And the next thing, um, I was playing a match and I tore my ACL. Um, so that basically, uh, that basically semi-retired me for a few years. And I think it was, um, that really kind of, I suppose, brought me down big time. And, and didn't start a lockdown. I started lockdown. I was making my New Year's resolution. Well, I suppose January, um, just before lockdown started, I was making my New Year's resolutions. And 
I made it my top priority that I was going to go back to athletics and I suppose like that that's when my whole mindset journey started because um, I always like to say the example of athletics because with athletics I'm not going to be Ireland's fastest sprinter I'm not going to be the best athlete in Ireland I'm never going to go anywhere you know this is completely for me and there's nights when you go training it's pissing rain you know it's freezing outside you you know you're thinking of every excuse to not go training and I suppose it's um, that's when your mindset comes in. That's where discipline, motivation and all of those things come in. And unless like you have to want it and I suppose you have to have to, you know, be strict with yourself and be disciplined. And it's such a mental challenge, but it's something that I got addicted to because all of a sudden everything changed for me, my whole perspective of life. And I was like, it was just like I did a 360 degree turnaround where all of a sudden I was addicted to pushing myself to the limits. I was addicted to pushing my mind and all of a sudden my mind wasn't winning anymore. I was winning because all along my mind was telling me you're this, you're that. And it's like all these thoughts. Then all of a sudden I'm, I just turned everything around. And I suppose that's just an introduction into how my mindset kind of journey started. Yeah, it's like, um, like your mind's make, making you a shadow of yourself rather than rather than doing that on the flip side like but um it's interesting everything you said there like i'm like from being a teach primary school teacher but coaching with adults there's such a connection between that your youth and you know any issues that you're facing with uh, in your adulthood and uh, that's what people kind of fail to see that connection or maybe try and block it out and it's something that something really close to me too close to my heart is something I really want to get a youth mental health wellness campaign underway at home committees underway at home because it's you know like you can't you can't walk past an adult that doesn't have an issue hmm. and I, I don't see why there's not this massive push just to 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 get it at its source to like to teach teach kids like how to deal with stuff hmm. um like we my group of friends were really tight. We've we've a tight group of friends, and we lost one of our best buddies uh, two years ago now, and it's like it's just so heartbreaking. You know, it probably always will, um, but no one knew how to deal with it. Like it's still it's still kind of a bit weird. Like no one knows how to talk about it. And I said to one of my mates there, or maybe it was something he read in my book. And he, he got so passionate, he's like, you're, he was swearing, he's like, you're fucking right. No one teaches kids how to deal with grief. Mm. And that was probably him saying like that he, he didn't get taught how to deal with grief and none of us did. Like kids should be taught that, you know, there's going to come a day that you might lose someone. There's going to come a day that someone's going to break up with you. There's going to come a day that someone doesn't want to be your friend, that you're going to have to pay a bill, that these stresses and worries are going to happen. But there's there's tools and techniques there to help it. Like, And that's me coming from it should be coming into the primary school system. And it, should, it shouldn't just be this one lesson a week where the teacher has to do to take a box off to show some inspector or to someone above them. Yeah, we're doing that. It should be something that's ingrained at, like you know as much as history irish english is yeah that's so true and i think um like being from well obviously i, I speak about this in quite a lot of my podcasts where i'm from a small rural town so there's a lot of small town syndrome and obviously you know we're always raised that um unless you're on the verge of dying you don't talk about your problems because your problems aren't big enough and you know you're like people always say to me actually someone said it to me i was going through like um 
a really tough time in work, um, like I say, like a week or two ago. And I'd been telling someone about what was happening. You know, I was really struggling and stuff. I was getting really down. And so this fellow was standing next to me that I'd, I'd been telling all week. Do you know, the next thing, um, this other person walks into the room like, oh, Meryl, how are you getting on? And I'm like, oh, great. How are you? All's good. And next thing he looked at me and he was like, Jesus, he was like, you know, you're Irish. He was like, you're not great. Like, um, so again, like that. And I suppose often... You know, I suppose another thing with small town syndrome is you'll be on nights out and when the drink's involved, the tears come. And, you know, you'd often be like, you make your friend starts crying on a night out in the bathroom and they're like, oh, this is happening. And you're like, why aren't you telling me about this? And they're crying. And then the next day, nothing happened. Like, you don't talk about it. It's awkward. Like, you know, like that never happened last night. Um, so I think like with Ireland, it's just very frustrating because... We're, we're, we're not a little bit backwards. We're probably big time backwards in a lot of ways in yeah. regards to mental health. And we're not given the, the appropriate tool set to deal with our emotions. There's such, like, that stigma. And it's something, uh, like, I'm, I'm a very laid by customer. And maybe I, maybe, maybe I wasn't always like that. Maybe I was, maybe I had a bit of a temper when I was younger. I don't know. But I'd be laid back now. But something that's really annoying me lately is, I find it at work anyway. Um, how like people asking, "How are you?" Ah, oh, good, good, good. That's all you hear. Good, like good isn't an emotion here or a feeling. Like you know, and I walked into a room two weeks ago, and uh, how are you? Ah, oh, good, good, good. And I just said, no offense, but I hate that response. Good, 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 good. Like is everything brilliant? And the person actually broke down. They're like, well, actually, I got this email. Things are going shit whatever and I was like right just to get my point across why did you say good 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 and like I'd rather hear and we had such a great conversation we did a couple of um we did a couple of techniques and you know it, she quickly switched the the light or switched the the way she was thinking so instead of going through the rest of the week worrying and down and out and hiding the fact that she was upset she actually dealt with it and she was more upbeat and had finished the week off strongly which is like, I don't understand because these, like, things, these little te techniques, they're not hard to teach. They're not hard to implement. And it's more often the easy things that we kind of neglect and maybe find it harder to put into our daily routines. And they're yeah. just so easy to do. But like you said, small town syndrome, like, most people in small towns are happy you're, you have your problems and other people don't care you have your problems. You know, so yeah, it's, that's okay. it's yeah. And I think um, so. Like something I always find is that like we always have no problem to make time to go out on a Thursday, Friday night for a few drinks. We always make time to even go exercise. We make time to meet up with our friends. But when do we ever make time to work on our mindset? As in, like it's just unheard of. Um, so I think that's definitely something that needs to change. And I suppose for yourself, you're obviously working as a mindset coach. Um, so I suppose, would you be able to tell us a small bit about like what's involved as a mind mindset coach and I suppose how your service works? Um, I guess, and like this is, this is going to be so funny, probably coming for me when I do label myself as that, but like mindset coach, something doesn't sit well with like mindset coach, that, that term, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, like, I just like helping people. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, like, so see if you even see in terms of life coaching, mindset coaching, whatever you want to call it, um, whatever your niche may be, 
it's so it's 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 a, it's in its uh, infantry because if you check the Oxford Dictionary, um, well, as much as last year, I don't know about this year, but if you check up coaching, all you get is sports coach or a bus. That's the only two definitions of coaching, coaching in there. Um, so like a coach, and from where I'm coming from, um, you know, you're not a you're not a therapist. You're you're not a counselor. You're you're working on probably towards the future, looking at um, working on goals. How how can you achieve a better you rather than lingering around issues and keep dealing with issues in the past? Now, there is a place for that. And um, I don't want to come across like I'd be knocking a counsellor or a therapist because some of my clients, um, when I'm coaching them, and if I feel that it's actually a counsellor or therapist that they need, that's where I direct them to because I'm I'm of no value to that person if it's actually a therapist that they need or a counselor that they need, whether it be dealing with grief or something like that. It's it's um it's not for someone, it doesn't always have to be for someone who's going through something. Like people will hear, Oh, you have a you have a mindset coach, what's wrong with you? Mm. Maybe people just want to upskill themselves, maybe people just want to get that promotion at work, get that place on the team. Uh, just make themselves a better person. You know, it's not always something has to be wrong. It's um, it's setting goals, figuring out way to get get around your goals, cross out your limiting beliefs. Like there's so much, so many aspects to it, and there's a lot of aspects that overlap with counselors and therapists. And from where I'm coming from, like I've done so much studying and things like psychology and stuff like that. I actually was thinking this morning, I'd love to go to university if they allowed me and do a third year, um, like the, the final exam for your degree. Like, obviously, I couldn't get the degree, but I'd love to compare myself to a college kid who's just kind of half assed doing this for a couple of years. Yeah. And whereas I'm actually maybe studying every single day for the last five years, but yeah. yet I, I didn't pay five grand to enroll in a course for a piece of paper. Yeah, that's so true. And um, it's actually so I love following Sinead Hagerty and something she's uh, talking about quite a lot lately is like making therapy cool. And when I first used to think of therapy, I was like, okay, therapy is when you're on the verge of literally jumping off a cliff, you know, um, when you have massive problems, that's the only time you can go to therapy. But she is, suppose she's really um, pushing that therapy is there. You don't go to therapy last minute when you have a problem. You go there to make yourself a better person. And, you know, I suppose when you think of all the money that we invest in other things, like you'd have no problem going out and spending how much on points. So you'd have no problem for the girls going into a shop and spending hundreds of euros on clothes. But we always are so slow to invest in ourselves, um, both physically and mentally. And I think that's why there's definitely like a stigma around like paying money towards like, I suppose, working on your mind and everything. But I think that it's definitely an investment for life. As in like all these things that you're buying, um, materialistic things are temporary, whereas this is something that's going to last for the rest of your life and is going to change you 360 degrees. And something that I really like to look for when I'm going with like a coach or something like that is, especially for the mindset coach say, is that I love to see someone who has struggled themselves um, because like, you know, for me, it's all about experience. You can go to the best university in the world, you can get the best degree, but at the end of the day, if you're not going with someone who has 
felt emotions that you felt, been through the struggles and is genuinely so interested in improving themselves every single day. That's what that's what's important to me, not about who has the best degree or who has what. It's about a person who's, you know, been through what you've been through and understands and can, can relate to you. And that's the thing, like, you know, I feel like in a lot of boxes, especially with the men that come to me, I've been to the well and back in so many of those categories that I can relate to. I have a soft spot for. I do really want to support them. And, you know, like you can see a bit of yourself. You can give your advice. You can give what, what you felt in that stage. And it's relatable then because if it comes across like you're some kind of lecturer who thinks you know it all, you know, it just doesn't, it wouldn't sit right with me, you know, so... Yeah, that's so true. And like even because um, obviously I'm training to be a personal trainer at the moment and I obviously have um, I'm suffering really bad with, um, with the I suppose the voice when there's a voice coming into me saying um, Mira was no like you're you're not qualified as much as you should be like, you know, you're not good enough and stuff like that. But then on the other side of me, I'm like, Mira was you've played every sport under the sun. You've been into fitness your whole life. You've been reading books. You've been following people on Instagram. You've been learning so much every single day. And it's something you're so passionate about. You love helping people like why the hell are you not going for it? And I think it's definitely something we struggle with as humans is that like, you know, I don't know, is it like confidence or what is it that? I suppose that we need to change this mindset that we always feel like we're not good enough to do something. Um, but, you know, I suppose until you have that realisation and until you go for it, what like what's the difference between you and another person? As in like, you know, there's like there's no reason as to why you aren't even better than the other person. And that's something that I'm really working on to, um, lately is that like, say now I take someone who's done their degree and everything always believing that they're better than me and I'm not good enough to put my services out there. But what's the actual difference? Like, as in, they're, the only difference is they had the confidence to go and do it and I didn't. And I suppose that self-belief is something I'm really working on at the moment. And, like, that that self-belief and those, like, limiting beliefs is something that, like, would, would stem from something that would have, maybe maybe when you were 16, maybe when you were 12, maybe you when you were 8, someone maybe a friend, a parent who may, may have meant the best said like, you why are you doing this sport? You know, focus on your studies and put that belief in your system. So now that's where the thoughts are coming in. Um, I, I was in school a couple of months ago and I seen this kid. He was like, there was a group of kids playing basketball and he was just kind of hovering on the outside. And I heard him, he was shouting out loud, talking to himself at the same time just shouting I'm not I'm not good enough or I'm useless or something and I kind of picked up on this I was staring at him and I shouted him over I was like what are you saying he's like I'm not good enough I'm like who told you that like go on and play the basketball like you're big and strong he went oh my mum I'm like your mum's not even here oh but mum said I'm not good enough like what what do you mean and not good enough oh well she he said he was doing something completely different it wasn't even sports but she must have came in and said no that's not for you mm -hmm. but now this is translated that he believes in himself that he can't go and play basketball with his kid with his mates so when he goes into maybe adulthood mm -hmm. if there's a group of friends going out for a night out oh i'm not good enough to be in that group that's that's where his limiting beliefs came from from someone external who said something to you that put this into you yeah. And um, that's like I, I said to him just there and then because you can easily switch that to. I just said to him, well, I believe in you. You're big and strong. And he looked yeah. at me. I goes, I believe in you. And he goes, oh, you're being sarcastic. 
And when I said, I believe in you the third time, he started crying. So I pulled him outside of the class. Later that day, I went up to his class and I pulled him out and I had to talk to him about this situation. And I said, I believe in you. That wasn't that wasn't me being sarcastic. Mm-hmm. Like this, this, this guy's only 10. And I said, I want you to believe in yourself. And he's kind of nodding and head down the tears started again. I was like, tell me you believe in yourself. And he's like, oh, I believe in myself. And I was like, tell me again. And he got a bit louder. I was like, scream it out. And he's like, I believe in myself. <laughs> and uh, his teacher said that that day was the first time he put his hand up in class all year to give an answer to a question in front of everyone. And it just goes to show you the effect adults have on, like, not even adults. It could be it could be a kid your own age. Do you know, it could be someone on your team saying, oh, give me the ball. You're, you're going to miss that. Do you know, it's little things like this. And yeah. we can we can easily, like, through coaching, you can easily, like, pinpoint these things and change, change how you're thinking about them and change the programming around these things. And these things might sound silly, I don't know, but... Like there, there are massive mental blockers for people, whether that be in work, sport, uh, relationships, socially. It's it's huge, huge blockers. Yeah, that's so true. And I think like everything, um, you need to go to the root of the problem, um, because all of this like self belief limitations stem from somewhere. So I know personally where like I suppose a few of mine stem first. I'll take for example. Um, so I was the so I was um so I have two older sisters. So unfortunately. I was a third daughter for my father, who would love to have. <laughs> I would love, who would have loved to have a son. Um, so I suppose I was kind of always trying to fill the shoes of what should have been a son. And my dad always had horses, whatever thing we do a bit of horse racing. And I'll never forget the day. And I think this is where my um, where my whole where everything changed for me. And I said after this day, I said everything's changing. Um, so basically. I always had the pressure of, you know, whenever I'd get the odd race for my dad, obviously so much pressure because, as you know, what Irish parents can be like, you know, you could do the best job in the world, but it's always like not good enough. Um, so I'll never forget we're racing one day up in Dublin and I had been training this. I, I was given one ra- one race a year um, he'd give me to ride and this would be the highlight of my year and I'd be training my horse every week for it. And then I, um, I got up and I, and I was warming up my horse before the race. And I was that was great and everything. Um, everything was going grand. And the next thing, there is a tractor on the track, uh, watering the track before the race. And I was so I was kind of in the middle of half, you know, half going half speed, say to make this simple terms for anyone that doesn't know much about horse racing. So I was in half speed, and I went to pull up my horse, but unfortunately, he spooked from the tractor, and he ran away at me for two miles. Um, so for anyone who knows Jeez. harness racing, it's a lot different to point to point or flat racing because the flat racing you're galloping whereas this the the horses pace so they're in hobbles so their legs are tied so it's quite dangerous so I remember um I've asked my dad and I was like dad he's gone and next thing um I was like that's it like you're going like 35 miles an hour I can't do anything and I was like oh it was like almost like I was going to die and um my dad obviously walked away he was mortified that my horse was running away with me and no one could stop me <laughs> it was a shit show and next thing Eventually, I, I stopped him anyway. I literally had to pull him into a ditch and I came off like my legs collapsed underneath me and I got back to the box and my horse was fucked, covered in sweat. And my dad, I'd say, called me every single name under the sun. He was like, you know, fucking waste of time. Why the fuck did I bring you up here? And, do you know, <laughs> you, could, you could imagine what he'd be saying. He was so he was so angry at me. 
and the next thing anyway um my race was back on so like I had to go back out and race like and you know we'd come all the way up to Dublin we'd travel like five hours so I had to go do the race and I literally was like putting my gloves back on my hands were shaking I could barely put on my gloves I was like my voice was trembling my legs where I could barely hold myself up and he threw me up on the horse and I was like oh would you just walk about he's like no you can fuck off now he said um you made a fool of yourself like you know you're not good enough and what wasting my time bringing you up here got back out into the track and I I said if there's gonna be one fucking thing I do today it's gonna be win this race <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went out and I won the race and I said after that day everything changed <laughs> Jesus Christ yeah. That's mad, like, so yeah. like, I know, like, I love how you took the motivation from your dad, like, putting the two fingers, like, I'll, I'll fucking show you, <laughs> because, see, well, like, when I started, like, journaling, because, um, like, when I was young, I'd be in pretty good shape, and then, like, in the, I'd go through loops where I'd put on weight from drinking and stuff, and you'd get these, like, small, small town syndrome, and you'd get guys from around town, or even a few mates, like, you know, hey, you're getting a bit chubby, you're getting a bit... You're getting a bit comfy around the edges there, but that's that's what what I would write into my book. Like this boy said, you are you know you were this. I'll fucking show him. I'll show him. And but I, I like I still probably could go like I like getting motivation from that. I like someone to say, no, nah, not a hope you couldn't do that because yeah, we'll we'll see about that. I love that motivation, but it's not always the correct probably motivation. Like you're taking it from a negative thing, but. If, hey, if it works for you, it works for you and it worked for you that day. Yeah, I think it's definitely a fine balance and I think it completely depends on the person um, because for some people, I suppose, they might be tougher. You know, obviously everyone is different. What upsets you might be upset me, what upsets me might upset you. So I think it's completely different on the person. So for some people, they thrive off that, you know, like, oh, you're not going to be able to do it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to prove them wrong. Whereas other people, they need the support and, you know, they need the belief. I think it completely depends on the person. Um, so I suppose in regards to that, which, in, and I think it's like, I suppose getting that confidence is something that's actually really hard because like, I think confidence is, if you have confidence, then you can do anything you put your mind to, but it's getting that confidence. And if you, I, I feel like if you just get that confidence and you, and you, I always believe you should be your number one supporter. Like you should be in love with yourself. Is it like you should want to? You should want to exercise your body. You should want to feed it good food. You should want to have the best time of your life. And it was actually because I um I hadn't done journaling in a while, and I wanted to get back into it. Um, so I started journaling. I started journaling now recently with a few nights, and I was writing in my journal. I was like, um, I'm like I'm the happiest I've ever been, and I was like, even though I'm in a job, obviously it's only commission structure, so I don't get a salary. Even if I'm paid nothing, I was like, I've never been happier. I was like, um, I'm working so hard on myself, and I just genuinely want for myself to be the best version of myself possible. And I think like to get obviously to get to that stage where you want, where you're in that mindset took me like 10 years like took me a long time but I think when you get to that mindset and you're in that position I think it's just like it's life-changing like you're on the right track there like and that, that's what I do as well in my journal and I write down my affirmations but it's never a case of I want or I will have it like I always like move it into the, it's in the now like so I am I am happy I am the happiest I've ever been I am the fittest I've ever been I am I am a good friend I am whatever it is it's in now it's in the moment and any negative things that maybe you still are practicing, but you want to get rid of, put that in the past tense. So I used to 
whatever it may be, X, Y, Z. I used to not train every day. I used to eat shit. I used to smoke. Put it in the past because like everything that you've been saying to me today is really, really geared towards NLP, mm. neuro-linguistic programming. Like there's so many elements of everything you said um, that like go, that ties in so much with NLP. Like it's so interesting, I find. And it's maybe a chat we can have, you know, after afterwards. Um, because like even say, for example, with that instant with your dad, like it's all from perspective as well. Like, you know, that, that could have broke like another version of you sitting in front of me now that could have broke her and you know she she'd be no use to anyone whereas that made you who you are you know it's all different perspectives um and it goes back to that kid with the like the the information that he got from his mom was the programming that he has and it's Mm. that that's affecting his behavior as he goes forward um i completely there was there was uh, sorry yeah, just there was one thing I didn't want to like interject when you were talking there, but just to tie in what's up you, you said there about your journaling. Um, I was actually reading about this morning and it just happens to be in front of me in the table. So human beings are hardwired to act in alignment with their own self-identity. Always, you'll never rise higher than your own personal story. So like I used to like I used to say to myself in the mirror, Jesus, I am fucking chubby or I am fat. Jesus, I'm not fit. Like, if I'm telling my head that, that's that's as far as my head's going. That's that's who I'm going to be. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So unless you change that self-identity, unless you change your own story, you're not going to change anything else. Yeah, it's so true. And I think I completely agree with because um, self-identity is something that I'm working on a lot lately. Um, because obviously before, say, my younger self, my self-identity would be like, I would have looked in the mirror and I would have been like, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not good enough for that. I was telling myself, like, um, like the harshest person we know in the world is ourselves. Like, if you think about all the horrible, horrible things we say to ourselves every single day. And I was like, do you know what? I was like, what if I stop saying horrible things to myself? What if I start saying good things to myself? So started looking around and said, you're a fucking legend. Like, you know, isn't like you're doing so well for yourself. Like, you're amazing. Isn't like, and then all of a sudden it's like your whole body changes and you're instantly like your energy is infectious and like, you're just so positive. And again, like you said, it's perspective. So it's about changing your perspective. It's so easy because I suppose, uh, again, like referring back to, say, my relationship with my dad, typical Irish man, shows no emotions, doesn't understand emotional intelligence. Do you know, he doesn't understand, like, girls, how they're so emotional and everything. And for years, I was so frustrated. I'd come home, like, because obviously we've been doing the horses together for years, like the amount of evenings I've spent crying, shouting at him. I was so frustrated because I couldn't understand. But as I got older, my whole perspective changed where I finally understood how he worked and I understood why he acted the way he did and why he because you know obviously that's the way he's wired that's the way he is you know and I completely understood and then I formed a completely new relationship where all of a sudden we were the best of friends I knew exactly he's the type of person that you don't say much to and that way we get on a lot better and we enjoy each other's company a lot more that way so again it's like changing your whole perspective and with your self-identity again as you said if you always are associating with yourself with that negative belief you're always nothing's going to change because nothing changes if nothing changes yeah like on the perspective like especially in a work environment i see you know a lot of people be button heads and stuff and if i found a bit of tension with someone like i went through a phase i was like what the fuck's this person's problem 
And I, I was just, I was really getting at me. And then I just took myself away, put myself on a fly in the wall position. And then I put myself in her shoes. And I was like, right, she's maybe actually, okay, it's Sunday morning. Maybe she was out last night. Maybe she's, maybe she's dying. Maybe something fucking bad's going on in, in the background here. So once I started changing the perspective and put myself in her shoes and on the fly in the wall, I started like I started to get to know her a little bit better, and once I got to know her, like the problem was never the problem. I got to know her, and Jesus, we we get on so well now. Like because um, I love studying about perspective. Like you know, if if you look outside and it starts pissing rain, you're like, oh, for fuck's sake, it's pissing rain. Whereas that same rain, if it was it was down in Africa somewhere, it's gonna get, help a parish out for the week in terms of water and life. You know, that's how you look at different things. So true. And I remember um, I actually I came into work and um, I was like, uh, they're like, oh, where are you? I was like, oh, I just got a flat tire. And I remember as when I was like new into Dubai, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this. Like, I got a flat tire. I don't know anyone. What do I do? And next time I was like, oh, do you know what? It'll be grand. I'll call the A and they'll come out like, you know, it's a flat tire. It could be a lot worse. Like, and next thing um, one of the girls was like, oh, my God, like, why aren't you in a bad mood? As in like, you've got a flat tire. I would be so stressed and so angry. I was like, it's a flat tire. Like, it's all about your perspective. And and I, like, I think if you change your perspective, I think it's absolutely game changing. And a book I'm reading actually recently, which helped me to understand perspectives of other people and obviously learning about how they work and how, how they're wired is, um, um, oh God, what's it called? The pers the four different personality types. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Four colours. The book's name is after coming out, falling out of my head, falling out of my head, <laughs> slipping out of my mind. Um, but anyway, it's about the four different, the four personality types. So there's the red, green, yellow, and blue. And basically it just shows how everyone is so different and, how to understand people, say now if you're getting frustrated by someone, you're like, oh, you just can't understand why they're acting the way they are. This basically tells you all about it. And it gives you a really good insight into yourself. And I suppose it helps you to understand how yourself and other people work. It does because um, since studying perspective, like, you know, I have a bit of OCD. Um, I've noticed over the last year in terms of like tidiness, I love things to be tidy in their spot, like really militant, like, and, um, my girlfriend, she works. She 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 works for Emirates, and like her schedule is completely different to mine. You know, where, whereas I'm getting up at say five a.m., she could be coming home at five a.m., and it's the it's basically the evening time for her. And I used to get really like pissed off if the dishes weren't done or something like that. And then you have to just take yourself back and okay, well, this person's after fucking being on a flight for twelve hours, working flat out, and you're you're fucking bitching about like dishes or something stupid or getting annoyed at that like there's a lot of yeah. things you just need to let go when you look at other people's point of view yeah that's so true and another book i read actually um for yeah. anyone who's in a relationship i 100 recommending reading this book is because um so basically this is going into human behavior and i suppose the main difference between how men react and how women react is a really good book called the chimp paradox um so basically it's all about like um so i think like say now if you're with someone who Obviously, when boyfriend and girlfriends fight, girlfriends always want to talk it out and they're like, we want answers now. Whereas men like to go to their men cave, they like to think about it and <laughs> have time. We'll talk about it tomorrow. Like, no, that fucking annoys the shit out of us. Um, so I suppose I read the, the book, The Chimp Paradox, and it's basically all about like, so 
you can react so you have like the the monkey which is like um your emotions so say now if someone if someone does something to piss you off you like start screaming and shouting and you're like an like a monkey going mad and then you obviously have like your hardwired computer and your memory so like say now your computer is for like automatic reactions that don't need emotion but say now if something if someone comes in and they they be like um oh, you played a piano, like your computer will automatically like, oh, yeah, I do. And next thing, but then if they say, oh, you don't play very well, then your monkey wakes up and he's like, okay, what's going on here? Flight or fright mode and, and stuff. So I think uh, the chimp paradox is really good to learn all about, like, I suppose, emotional behavior. And it's just a game changer for someone who's in a relationship and to understand perspective from a different point of view, because obviously being in a relationship, it's so I feel if you're not emotionally intelligent, it's very one-sided. You'll only see your perspective and it can actually lead to you breaking up or it can lead to a lot of unnecessary fights. But whereas if you are aware of like how the other person works and their perspective, then it changes everything. Uh, there's there's very few fates in this house, to be honest. I think if we survived lockdown together, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing all right. Yeah. Oh, like but lockdown I'd say, is a big challenge. I'd say she can really, really relate to you on the... Me being stubborn and not speaking for a day, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like uh, I just remember, and um, I read this book, and it was just such a game changer because. So basically, if you're fighting with your partner, and say now they're all revved up, they're all angry, and they're going mad, their chimp's going do la la, and next thing you're obviously so tempted to meet their chimp with your chimp, and then you start shouting at each other. Like that's not going to resolve anything because you're meeting emotion with emotion. But if you just take a step back. And you know that, like, obviously, you know that their their chimp is going mad and take a step back and be like, OK, come at it from a different point of view. It makes such a difference. All like in pictures, you know, that chimp with the <laughs> like the, the silver, what the musical instrument thing. In Simpsons. <laughs> Just, yeah. Um, like I had an instant a couple of months ago where mum rang me from home and she was telling me something and like, it was, it was like the 19-year-old me. Just I just got so pissed off on the phone. I was like, oh, I don't need to hear this, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as I hung up, I was like, I just was able to go through that whole process and like immediately ring her back and say, hold on a second, I need to apologize. I shouldn't have reacted like that. I'm having a bad day. This happened. That had nothing to do with what you told me. Sorry. Love you. Okay? And like that's yeah. like... Jesus. Okay. That's, that's so true. And I think um, like another self-help book that helped me to, I suppose, my behavior as well is definitely subclarity of not giving a fuck. Because um, basically, if you think back to your younger self, if something happened, it'd be the end of the world and you throw your tantrum. And whereas now I definitely have learned a lot more about my energy and I suppose giving a fuck about what matters and not giving a fuck about things that shouldn't, you know, matter and stuff. So I think if you, that's definitely a good book to to understand like I suppose not to be losing the rag and change your perspective and learn how everything works and again like it's like the, the other book The Power of Now where um, if you live in the, like if you live in the now as in like the stuff in the past doesn't matter and the stuff in the future hasn't even happened because how many scenarios do we make up every single day that we get stressed about that will never actually happen and I think that again if you're just living in the now and you know I suppose it definitely helps it a lot. And I suppose just on that, do you have any exercises, I suppose, that you do daily that help you with your mindset and I suppose help you make, make you a better person? Um, I, I don't want to just give the, you know, the usual, the journaling and all that kind of stuff. Um, 
I do, I do kind of, like, I, I started off with the, the gratitude because, uh, and I used to write it down, but, like, writing down three things of gratitude every day, after a couple of days, people, people, um, people find it hard to get new things to be grateful for, and then it becomes a hard thing, and I always go back to it. it's the simple things that people can't follow through in their habits, like writing down three things in a book was such a difficult thing for me to do. So now I just like, as soon as I wake up, it's just hardwired in me. I say three things that I'm grateful for um, because there's a study showing that it's 25% improves your happiness immediately. So that's a great start to the day. Um, it's, it's something that my routine started off. So I'm going to go into the, I'm going to tie in my routine with uh, the beach sessions that I do here in Dubai. So I just started off going down to the beach on my own, 5 a.m., to do my affirmations, to do my gratitude. And I don't know, it just, I just went there. I went there the following week. It was great doing my affirmations in the water, my, 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 my I am statements. It just felt so powerful. It just like the water, the sand, um, doing my gratitude on the, on the beach, just taking that time for myself. So I was like, I think it was just a random guy who noticed that I was there every week. He's like, what are you doing? And I told him, he goes, can I join? And I was like, well, maybe that's, maybe people would get something from this. So I just put up a post one day, like, and I couldn't care less if it still is only me because it's only me anyway. It's my routine. If no one shows up, no one shows up and I get to do it on my own. So it's developed since into... Um, so people come and there's always seems to be a theme to the week and it's a theme that I go through. So maybe I was really anxious that week or maybe I was like stressed out that week and everyone can relate to that. So we go to the beach and we start off with um, the Wim Hof. We might do a mindset exercise. It could be just like goal setting or reflecting back in the week, maybe an NLP technique, a CBT technique, something like that just to get things rolling and uh, we go into the I'm, I'm training at the minute to be a Wim Hof pr practitioner uh, and doing a lot of breath work and we start off by doing that because like a normal person everyone where we live such a fast-paced life these days like we give so much to our workplace where you're probably only just a number we give so much to like friends and family obviously we give probably too much time to our phone things like that and we tend to ne neglect ourselves so our body our body's chemistry is in a, a acidic state mm. all the time it's in fight mode all the time and like if your body's chemistry is on fight mode that's developing um things in our brains like uh, anxiety, depression, stuff like that. But it's also developing um, triggers in your cells that could develop into cancer cells and stuff like this. So by doing this breath work, people really get to chill out and their chem the chemistry of their body changes to alkaline where your body starts working for you and attacks all those negative cells, all those negative thoughts. And it's so relaxing. We then go into a meditation and the meditation I bring is just, again, related to my week. So we do a future self meditation. Uh, yesterday, we did a past, present, future meditation, which was really good. 
self-love. Just it depends on the week. It depends. It probably depends on what happened in my week. But it's really relaxing. Like, and it's just reinvesting in yourself for the first time probably all week. It's giving back to yourself that you don't really do that. Um, we then go into the water. We do our I am, I am statements, another bit of breath work onto the beach and we finish with gratitude which does give you that 25% happiness and gives the group a laugh it's a great way to start the week but it's also like I said reinvesting in ourselves and like a guy a guy showed up yesterday and I always tell people and you mentioned trust you mentioned confidence earlier and trust so I'm, I'm going to get this confused now so confidence comes from the Latin word trust Okay, so if you can't get confidence unless you trust yourself. So, for example, if I say I'm going to be at the beach tomorrow at 5 a.m., if I say it's at 10, 10 a.m. the night before, but my alarm clock goes off and I'm like, ah, do you know what, fuck it, I'll snooze, and I wake up at 6, well, I've lost trust in myself. Like, if, if you asked me to go on your podcast today and I didn't show up at the time you asked, you're going to say, well, I can't really trust him to show up the next day. So I'm not going to ask him again. You, Your brain is the same thing with you. If you lose trust with yourself by saying, okay, I'll go to the gym later and you don't go to the gym, you won't have confidence. And that confidence then spills over into social social um, environments, into workplace, into if you want to speak in front of crowds. You don't have the confidence in yourself because you keep letting yourself down. That's where the trust comes from. So that's what I tell people straight away. I'd never thank anyone for, for coming because they already showed up for themselves by getting up and not mm -hmm. pressing snooze. And the second thing is I ask them not to have any expectations because if all you get from this is relaxing on the beach or listening to me talking and you're getting a laugh from it, or like yesterday's example, one dude fell asleep during the meditation but sure, that's all you want. Like he relaxed, he's happy, and it's it's yeah, it's really enjoyable. And even though I don't get to participate now because there's groups coming, I I do. Uh, it's I really 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 enjoy it. Amazing. And for anyone who's here in Dubai listening, when can we? When is this on? And where is it on? Um, it's on most. It's on every Friday morning since it started. Um, on Palace Beach, Secret Beach um at 6 a.m a lot of people say to me oh can you not do it at 9 a.m or 10 no because like th this is the idea you're up you're at it and uh, something i find from it when you do get up and you do it you could go away have breakfast you can go away then do your workout do a bit of study you could even have a nap at 11 o'clock wake up at 12 and it's like you have a completely new day it's like having two fridays in one that's what I find. Um, now, I know I'm not going to have it next week because I have my first ever jiu-jitsu competition, but I will have it every week until I go home for the summer. Yeah, I feel um, jiu-jitsu is definitely becoming a lot more popular. And I, yeah. the more I learn about jiu-jitsu, um, the more I find it's like, because you always see, I suppose, James Smith um, saying about it that like there's so much discipline and I suppose tactics involved. And jiu-jitsu is supposed to be actually really good for you know, I suppose, progressing your mindset as well, isn't it? It's probably the main reason I did get into it. Now, um, a big reason would be Kieran McGinney, um, Armagh, ex-footballer, All-Ireland winner, and now manager. Um, I noticed that he was doing it, like, through the years. I never knew what this white gi he was wearing was, or but I knew it was a martial art, and 
he was doing it. And then when I learned about all the um, the benefits it has on your mindset and your mental health, I, I got into it. And I can't, I really can't get over what you learn each and every night. You learn, you know, I could, I could have like some guy twice my size and I could pin him down and tap him out. Whereas I could have a girl half my size come over and tap me out twice as hard. Like you're humbled every night. Um, Mm. Like the coach told me the first night, I was like, oh, how can I get better? He goes, you need to come, you need to train every night of the week that it's on he goes there's two guys starting you and this guy if you come twice a week and he comes four times a week for a year he's already mm. more ex- twice as much experience as you you need to show up for yourself mm. you learn patience when you're like in that tight environment it's chess you need to think mm. um when you're in a choke or in a difficult position you can't panic and throw the toys out. You have to like think, right, how am I going to get out of this? You have to have patience and you have to write it through. And when you're in those situations as well, like your bills don't matter. The argument you had at work doesn't matter. Nothing matters. You leave. So it's it's so common. It's like um, I seen someone put up on Instagram yesterday. It's like a cross between, um, I think it was yoga and murder. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's so aggressive, but so common. Because I've met so many interesting characters, like businessmen um, who are just stressed. People who are going through so much stuff at the moment. Like one guy, he he traveled from Europe because of the lockdown in Europe just to train jiu-jitsu for a week. His wife told him to come here to train jiu-jitsu for a week just to chill, chill out. Like it's that's so nuts. powerful. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. And I think... Um... Obviously, again, naturally as humans, I suppose when, when you um, obviously started a completely new hobby that was foreign to you and straight away, instantly, you're going to be comparing yourself to people who have been doing it for years. And I think because I, I, I um, coming from a sporting background, I love starting new hobbies as well. Um, so I started Muay Thai. And I suppose that's a mixture of like, you know, kickboxing, boxing that's, and elbows. That's and intense. Heat been intense and I'm such a softy so it's been a challenge um but I remember myself and my housemate started it together so it's actually great because we could progress together but I remember um so I was training like say you know three or four times a week and I was like getting really frustrated I was like you know I was like oh you know you'd be looking at the other girls and the other lads and I'm like they're so good why can't I get it and I'm like thinking back Miros, can you remember when you first started football or when you first started horse riding? Like, did you go into a race straight away? No. Did you go play? Were you midfield for the senior team straight away? No. It took you years of practice. Like, and I think we're so tough on ourselves to be better, you know, to like, like, why aren't you good enough? But like, if you just have your, if you just like have your patience and it's such like when you see progression and you like, if you compare yourself to the person you were a month ago, look how far you've come. So it's like, you know, it's inspiring. Like that's that's like comparison is the thief of joy and you know like i i spar with a black belt every now and again and i get so like well i used to get so frustrated and then once you sit down and ask these boys how long have you how, how long have you been doing this they've been doing it for 20 years like they show up every day for 20 years um i had a, I had a point there just completely lost <laughs> i completely fine. lost my thrill of, don't worry about um, it but do you know what i love about it as well i love that there's no ego there's so much respect. Like I imagine in a boxing environment, you know, there might be a couple of hard men or whatever. Yeah. Every time you're done grappling or sparring with someone, the more experienced person 
will stop and say, okay, you need to do this, do this, and not do this, okay? So we'll see you next week and work on that. Every single person is looking to help that other person along. It's like a, it's a really close-knit community that wants to see people progress and make it grow. Yeah, I think that's lovely because, like, if you think of the likes of Gaelic football and, you know, I suppose it's so competitive, everyone's there for themselves and, you know, everyone wants to be the best. And I suppose there's not as much camaraderie, I can't pronounce this word right, Com camaraderie, camaraderie, um, yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> sportsmanship. Um, whereas, like, in the likes of jiu-jitsu and sports like that, you know, I suppose everyone everyone is there to train so hard to better themselves and you know whereas in I suppose what's lacking in other sports that we were used to back home and you know is in football where people are slowly there for themselves and you know I suppose they're happy to see that you're not as good as them whereas like it's infectious when you're in an environment with like-minded people who all have the same goals to be the best you know the best they can be and helping everyone along the way it's just like it's such a positive environment to be in. Yeah, like I would, I would encourage people to like try other things too. Like, and especially because I, I love Gaelic football and soccer as well at home, but I'd love to help my club out because, you know, you do have those, like, it's just natural. You're going to have someone who's happy to see someone else not progress. But if, say, if I'm the star forward and the, the full backs not progressing, well, that means I'm not progressing. Like, the reason these jiu-jitsu boys are telling you how to improve because they they don't want an easy fix every night. They want a challenge. They want to better themselves. So, like, if I'm going to be the star forward, I need to tell the star or the full back what's he doing wrong, and I need to tell him how to train harder and bring him along. Because at the end of the year, if he does that or if I give those tips, we get a championship out of it. But if my ego's in the way, oh, I make up my name in the paper, but sure, we're fucking, we're not winning any medals. Yeah, that's so true. And I think... Um... And I think I always believe that the more you give out, the more you get back. And because I think naturally as humans, we always like to see that we're the one, who, we're the person with the most money, we're the person who's the best in work, we're the best person who's best in sport. It's very hard because naturally we're jealous creatures. And again, I suppose where I worked in this is obviously from saying that when I had my first relationship, I was such a jealous person um, because, you know, probably genetics and naturally as humans, we're naturally very jealous. And I suppose like being jealous, overly jealous is a really bad thing, you know, obviously it's healthy to be a small bit jealous, but, and I felt like if you're jealous, then, you know, I suppose you don't want to see other people doing better than you. And I suppose my second relationship, then I was like, okay, I'm going to make it my priority that I'm going to work on this because this is obviously a weakness that I have. And I learned that with jealousy, that the more you actually give, that the more you'll get back. Because if you think about it in regards to being in a relationship as well, if you have, say, a girlfriend who's crazy, psychotic, jealous, um, and stuff like that, then you're not going to tell, like, you'll be more inclined to not tell her about things you do, as in, like, you'll be afraid to do certain things. Whereas, like, if she's laid back and she's, like, understanding and she's okay with everything, then the more you're going to tell her and the more, you know, you'll open up to her. Um, so like that, that's definitely a skill that people need to work on because if you naturally are a jealous person, then it could be a very toxic trait. Yeah, and like in fairness, you know, from nights out with the boys or whatever, like I'll be telling them, I Catherine thought that was funny, and they're like, "You told you told your girlfriend." Yeah. I'm like, "Hey," she loves it. Ah, lad, lad, what are you at? Yeah, I'm like, Jesus, we thought it was hilarious. Like she's loving the crack. Yeah, like, that's so like, true. Oh, I I can't tell this one because you lose the plot. 
Yeah, that's so true because I like had one relationship where I was psychotic, crazy, jealous person, and then the other other side didn't where I was like laid back and I was like, you know, you're young, whatever, and it like it completely changed my relationship. Um, but right with that, Jonathan, I suppose do you want to tell us to wrap up a small bit about your plans for the future, and I suppose what can we expect from you in the next couple of months? Um, I suppose there's so much going on. Um, so much going on, like in when you do have so much going on I, you feel like you're not progressing or you're not giving you're not making any strides forward although like you're you're doing massive things every day i guess um in terms of projects the beach session is going to keep that going but we're i'm working with a very good pt at home we're going to try and get because like where we're from gidor and the three parishes around it like it's just it's on the wild atlantic way it's unbelievable Mount Erigil, islands, scenery, beaches. We're working on doing like a, a physical and mental, not a challenge week, but a physical and mental camp, if you want to call it that, with uh, your, your physical side to it, your hiking, uh, all your activities along with your meditations and your mindset exercises, just to basically give back to yourself, but also know what your body's capable of and challenging your body a little bit more. So we're working on that for the summer. Um, obviously, like I told you before, kind of working on my podcast with an individual. Uh, and it just came up lately that we're trying to work on a clothing brand that will help um, help benefit mental health Um I don't know if you want to call it agencies at home, but help pump money into mental health and bring bring maybe um, places that can benefit young people and everyone maybe more into the light and make the just shine the spotlight a bit more on them. So use the proceeds from that clothing brand to lift the stigma and remove any stigma around that. Um, I just I'm probably rambling on here now. <laughs> just there's so much going on. Oh my god, you um, sound like a, a very busy man. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Come Here to Me podcast. Lots of more exciting and inspiring guests to come this year. So keep an eye on all my social media channels.